This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Alabama win big games and college football playoff hopes wither away for a few big teams on this Thanksgiving weekend recap. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. The Prospects 101 show would not be possible without our partners, uh, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. So always love their support in and throughout this college football season. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 while the games are going on and while the news is breaking on social media, that that Prospects 101 pod, and we again, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Solo show today, I will be in the saddle, and just me as Pastel and Kenny are out in a boat somewhere down in Charleston, hanging out, enjoying the weather. So I decided that I would take the reins and, and make sure that you know, offer and give you guys a great show to recap the weekend that was. Now, not totally a solo show as Barry Light and the Moonlight Band with our great intro, great harmonica work, great guitar work. Always love Barry and the boys for what they do for Prospects 101. Um, you know, again, like I said, solo show, so we're going to dive right into it, kind of read off some notable scores out of the top 25 and some other big games yesterday. On Friday, Iowa State takes care of Texas 23-20. to Texas misses the game-tying field goal as time expires as Iowa State puts uh, put themselves in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship. One of the things to keep in mind is that that is the first time Iowa State has ever beaten Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. The Civil War also on Friday. Oregon State with the big upset of Oregon 41-38. to Got really tight there at the end. Couple quarterback sneaks uh, that ended up failing. Backup quarterback comes it comes off the bench and ends up punching it in with a few seconds left to go. <clears throat> Iowa State, or I'm sorry, Iowa takes care of Nebraska for their sixth win in a row. 
uh, number 24, Iowa, that is, and they beat Nebraska 26-20 to as Nebraska continues to reel. Clemson takes care of business 52-17 against Pitt. Notre Dame in probably what will be their biggest matchup before they play Clemson in the ACC championship game, 31-17 to over UNC. Had a late rally there in the fourth quarter with a couple big-time scores. Texas A&M against LSU, they win 20-7, to but that score probably a little bit deceiving because that was an ugly game. Not a good look for Texas A&M in front of the college football playoff committee. Certainly did not look like a uh, a college football playoff contender with that ugly win against LSU. Alabama takes care of business, 42-13 to in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. Uh, Michigan State with the upset of Northwestern, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, really sets the Big Ten back. Uh, Northwestern, number eight, again, loses 29-20 to Michigan State. Indiana takes care of business against Maryland, 27-11. Coastal Carolina, the, the clock has not struck midnight. They are still undefeated, 49-14 uh, to 14 over Texas State. And the Huskies of the University of Washington beat Utah 24-21, to 24 unanswered points, the largest comeback, or tied for the largest comeback in program history. Now some quick reactions on what happened this weekend. <clears throat> Number one, Bama's the best team in the country, and it's not even close. Best offense that they've ever had. What Mac Jones in that passing game is doing to defenses is similar to what Joe Burrow in the LSU offense was doing last year. Can't stop them. Najee Harris is the perfect complimentary back for what they are doing on offense. Their defense also appears to be getting stronger as the year goes on. And I think that's really important to remember. Remember, at the beginning of the season, <clears throat> particularly when they were playing um, you know, Ole Miss, giving up a lot of points. Uh, you know, They gave up a lot of points in a couple other games early. But it looks like the defense is starting to find its way. I know Auburn is not the, the best offense uh, in the world, but I do like what I saw out of the defense yesterday. They were flying around, creating turnovers, making big hits, keeping the ball in front, didn't give up any big plays. Um, you know, I really like what I see out of that defense. But I think the biggest thing to take away is that Bama is the best team in the country. It's not even close. I mean, they have blown out everyone on their schedule that they've needed to blow out. They blew out Georgia. Check. Blew out Auburn. Check. Uh, they, uh, well, they have LSU next week. They blew out Texas A&M. Check. They got one more, uh, one more really big game, and that's going to be Florida in the SEC championship game. But I think that they're going to roll big time because Bama is just scores at will. What Steve Sarkeesian's doing that offense is absolutely fantastic. To me, it's a shame that's a COVID kind of stricken season because I don't think Bama, when this team goes down in the record books, I don't think Bama is going to get the credit they deserve for how good they actually are. Uh, second uh, kind of reaction, the Big Ten in big trouble for locking down a college football playoff spot. As you guys know, if you follow college football, Ohio State didn't play. It's another game. Now, if they get another game uh, postponed, they are actually ineligible for a conference championship game appearance. That would be catastrophic for the Big Ten if Ohio State isn't or can't play in the conference championship because I would argue if they get another game canceled, right, 
and then they don't go to the conference championship game. That'll be, I think, five games that they'll have played. There's no way you qualify for a college football playoff spot with, with, with five games played, and you don't even go to your own conference championship. So if that happens, Ohio State will more than likely, I think, not be in the college football playoff which says, all right, well, is there anybody else in the Big Ten that could go in and possibly take their place, win a conference championship game, and go in? Well, Northwestern lost yesterday, and and they lost and got upset by Michigan State, and Wisconsin's already lost as well. So I don't know if the Big Ten is going to get a team into that college football playoff four-team tournament. Ohio State is the most logical sense, but I tell you what, if Ohio State gets another game postponed, they are not eligible for the conference championship game, and they should not go to the college football playoff if that indeed happens. <clears throat> um, Notre Dame passes the toughest test before their ACC championship matchup or rematch with Clemson. I, I think the biggest thing what I took out of this is that the offense makes big plays when they have to. They do a really great job of establishing the line of scrimmage. But Notre Dame is not going to blow you out. They're just not going to do that because their offense isn't doesn't have the skill guys at the receiver position, in my opinion, to put up tons of points quick like an Alabama or an LSU did last year or even an Ohio State this year. But what it showed me was that Ian Book continues this hot streak that he's had the last three games, and he's certainly a quarterback that I think Notre Dame can rely on in order to make – it to the college football playoff and possibly do some damage. They have the defense to do it. They've got the offensive line to do it. I think they got the running back to do it, and I think they have the quarterback to do some damage as well. Biggest challenge will be can they score enough points against some of those top-tier defenses uh, that they'll see in the college football playoff, assuming that they go. Um, and, again, a lot of that may ride on what they do in that conference championship game. But I, I think ultimately Notre Dame will be there, even if they end up losing Clemson. I think with a, a decent performance, I think that they'll get in there. Uh, but they did pass their toughest test there. Uh, Texas A&M won, but they struggled. I think this one's to note because they were in the top six rankings. The, their offense is not elite, and, and I'm going to get into Kellen Mond a little bit later. Uh, but I don't think they're elite enough, and they certainly can't score enough points with the big boys in order uh, in order to hang. I, I think if they would go in as the four seed, I think they would get boat raced because they've already been boat raced once by Bama. I don't think they have the ability to score enough points. Um, and I, again, I'll get into Kelamon later, so I don't want to dig too down uh, too far down this rabbit hole. Um, the Pac-12 continues to have a lackluster performances again. Oregon has struggled this year. They really struggled in first halves. I think that their offense looks very pedestrian. They're still trying to break in a new quarterback, uh, and they're just not making big plays on the offensive side of the ball that we're used to seeing. Um, But they've looked very average. USC has looked very average. UW has looked very average, especially on offense. Um, I you just average play, and and it's it's not a bad thing for the Pac-12, but it just kind of continues the narrative for the last six years. There's a lot of good players in the Pac-12 that end up playing in the NFL. There's a lot of good good teams, right? Teams that go out, and if you put them in the ACC, you put them in the SEC, they would be very competitive. But the challenge is is that there's no dominant team, and I I thought that we were going to see a USC team or an Oregon team really kind of take the bull by the horns and run with this. And I know USC is still undefeated, but they've looked very average. Um, And the Pac-12 kind of continues 
to have that and kind of show that Oregon, I thought, was the only chance they had to get in. Oregon obviously upset by uh, Oregon State. Um, and the other thing, they just have games getting canceled left and right. Um, I'm going to get a little bit into this a little bit later, kind of my final my final thoughts on this week. But I think what this is starting to show me is that without a spring practice and a full fall camp, I think teams are really struggling to get the engine going. I think the elite teams are doing just fine. You know, your Alabamas, your Ohio States, your Clemsons, your Notre Dames. But not everybody's that team. And I think teams that have the ability and have the talent to be in that upper echelon just haven't – they just haven't got going. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, a lot of this COVID stuff, you know, not being able to have spring practice, not being able to have a full-time in summer camp, not being able to develop that young talent that teams like Oregon needed in order to reload, especially in offense. So. Um, last thing, Iowa State is on track to win the Big 12, beat Oklahoma and Texas in the same season. First time that they've done that. What Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones have done uh, has been pretty spectacular. Also spectacular uh, considering that Brock Purdy has played very average this season. Um, and so they've been able to go in and beat the big boys. I think this says a, a couple things. One, to take nothing away from Iowa State – as a team, they've played pretty great. The defense has been good. The, the running game has been fantastic. Um, but I, the Big 12 is the Big 12. I mean, they are just, again, no dominant program again. And not only has that not been dominant, but the big boys struggle. And they, they struggled a lot, um, especially Texas. Uh, Oklahoma seems to be getting it back on the tracks, and I think that they'll probably end up playing Iowa State in that Big 12 championship game. But it's just, again, no dominant program coming out of the Big 12. Um, so interesting uh, kind of kind of an interesting dynamic we're seeing out of the Big 12 and the Pac-10. And I would also say potentially the Big 10, especially if Ohio State doesn't get in another game. I think both all those three of those conferences have looked extremely – Extremely average, aside from a, a couple teams here and there. So now let me get into uh, my star, stock market risers. These are prospects that really stood out this weekend. And my first prospect, we now spell dominance, Z-T-F. Zion to Topola Fatui, the edge rusher from the University of Washington. He is pro football focused third highest edge rusher in only three games, has seven sacks, which is 11th nationally, is tied uh, number one nationally for three forced fumbles. He's been the most dominant edge rusher in the Pac-12 this season. I know it's been short, only three games, but he has looked worlds better than what Thibodeau has looked like at Oregon. Again, Zion uh, Tapola Fatui, also known as ZTF, Looked absolutely outstanding against Utah, had three sacks, and was all over the field. And what's interesting about ZTF is that he may have not even been able to play this season because Justin Tryon actually ended opting out. Justin Tryon's in. ZTF may not be on the field, certainly not as much. So I I love this kid. I think scouts are foaming at the mouth for how good he's been off the edge. But his size is unbelievable. He's about 6'3", 6'4", 280-pound sophomore out of Pearl City, Hawaii, Uh, a three-star prospect out of high school. But, again, 
uh, the Huskies and, and really any program on the West Coast that recruits Hawaii, those guys end up performing very well, especially in the trenches. Second guy, Jarrett Patterson, running back out of Buffalo. Uh, wouldn't be a college football program or a podcast if I didn't mention this. Had eight touchdowns, over 400 yards rushing against Kent State yesterday. Looked absolutely fantastic. He's been such a workhorse all year for Buffalo, and I love what I see out of this kid. This is definitely an NFL running back, no doubt in my mind, and he was so dominant on the field yesterday. This guy can do it all. Loved what I what I saw out of him, and I think he really caught, has been catching a lot of eyes to scouts this season. Um, Micah McFadden, linebacker out of Indiana. This guy seems to make big play after big play, game after game, and yesterday was no uh, it was no mistake either. Uh, had a sack, had a pick, had three solos against uh, uh, the University of Maryland, which was a big reason why they were able to keep uh, Talia Tagovailoa in that Maryland offense off the scoreboard for the most part. Kyle Pitts, enough said, man. Kyle the Kyle connection. They had three touchdowns yesterday. Kyle Pitts, probably the most unguardable player in in the FBS this season just because of his size and just because of his height and because of his speed. I Really tough to defend this guy, really tough to defend that Florida offense. But Kyle Pitts certainly on track to be a first-day or a, a day-one draft pick as, in my opinion, probably a can't-miss hybrid tight end. He's probably going to have to improve some of his blocking at the line of scrimmage. But really reminds me of Jimmy Graham, um, the way he's able to go up, get balls, his length, his size, um, fantastic player, and he proved that again yesterday. And they're going to need it because against Alabama in the SEC championship game, he's going to need to come up big, no doubt about it. Ian Book, now he's been really hot the last three weeks. Biggest test uh, biggest test was uh, remaining before the ACC championship was North Carolina. Now he wasn't dominant, but he had great poise. He took over the game, made a lot of big throws when he called upon and I think scouts are going to like that. Again, he's starting to creep back up into a day three pick where I thought that he kind of fell off to be an undrafted free agent. But I think he's going to be a really nice project at the next level. Could be a backup, potentially have a couple starts. And, uh, I mean, who knows if he played for the Denver Broncos. Probably dying to get somebody like Ian, Ian Book in there, figuring that they're starting a wide receiver at the quarterback position. Last guy, Isaiah Spiller. I've covered this guy several times on the podcast. I love this kid. Uh, running back out of Texas A&M, had around 150 yards yesterday. Really the only reason that Texas A&M ended up winning because it certainly wasn't the quarterback play and it wasn't the passing game. Um, you know, Isaiah Spiller has kind of been their steady Eddie. He's been their rock, and he is definitely going to get a lot of looks at the next level, probably a day two, possibly a day three pick, just depending on, on how the running backs stack up and where they go. I love this kid, though. I think he's an NFL running back through and through, and he showed that yesterday against an LSU defense. Now, let me get into my he stinks coach, and I've got a lot of them. I've got five of them, right? There's a lot of stinking up this weekend. First one – Kenny Pickett, University of Pittsburgh quarterback. He's been on my He Stinks Coach segment, and he earned another spot in it this year. 22 for 39. That You'd be like, hey, Gless, that doesn't sound that bad. You know what does stink? Four picks. You know what else stinks? A QBR of 19.8. He may be the worst four-year starter in the modern era of college football, and you can define whatever that means. 
that's how bad he's been. That's how much he stinks and how much how bad that Pittsburgh offense stinks. Um, and he's a big part of it. I, I just that's the best you can do. Oh, man, he he stinks. Uh, the the quarterback stink bowl yesterday, or I should say LSU versus Texas A&M. Listen to these quarterback numbers because both quarterbacks stink. TJ Finley went nine for twenty five, two picks and a QBR uh, of twenty. And you'd be like, man, coach, that one stinks. TJ Finley stinks. LSU quarterbacks play stinks, and they've stunk all year. Kellen Mond said, hold my beer. He went 11 for 34, no touchdowns or picks, so that's good, but had a QBR of 16. That stinks, coach. And I tell you what, that is not an offense that is college football playoff ready, and a lot of that has to do because of how much the Kellamon struggled yesterday. You know what else stunk about the performance? Is that LSU secondary stinks. And 11 for 34 and a QBR of 16th, that's the best you can do. That was the stink bowl yesterday. That was embarrassing. You know, if you love to watch quarterback play, you may have gone in the bathroom at halftime and yacked everywhere because that was an embarrassment. Uh, Michigan, Michigan's offense and defense, or maybe, and, and I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to the special teams, but Michigan just stinks. Offense given up. I had only mustering 17 points against a Penn State, State defense that has extremely struggled this year. And then Michigan's defense, which has been atrocious all season, giving up 27 points and giving up a lot of rushing yards to a Penn State offense that has been awful this year. Jim Harbaugh, you stink. Your offense stinks and your defense stinks. You know what else stinks? Syracuse. You know why? I just could you stink any more as a program than spiking the ball on fourth down? That was atrocious. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was the most Syracuse thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, if that doesn't define your program as we stink, I don't know what does. Spiking the ball on fourth down, and it just, and you know what was bad about it is if you look on the sideline, nobody on the Syracuse sideline is saying anything. They're sitting there just, just, just kind of. Uh, lackadaisical. All right, guess we got a spike. You get the. Did nobody look at the clock? Clearly, it's for, like the quarter. The the head coach should have been running on the field. Take the flag. At least it stops the clock. Maybe actually, no. I'm sorry. That'd be a 10 second runoff. But uh, do something. Don't let your quarterback just sit there and spike it and totally lose the game for you. Anyways, that, that they stink. Uh, got to be in running for one of the worst P5 programs in the country. But coach. The worst program in the country, Vanderbilt. Woof. They stink everywhere. The only press they could muster up yesterday was the uh, female place kicker, which is great to see. Love it. I would have actually liked to have seen her attempt an extra point. But you know why she didn't attempt a point? Because they didn't score a single point yesterday. Lost 41-0 to to Missouri. Okay? I get it if you lose 41-0 uh, to Florida. I get it if it's Bama, right? But to Missouri, you stink, coach. And word just came out here a few minutes ago that Derek Mason has been relieved of his duties. So that Power 5 job is open. Not sure he's going to, one, want that job uh, just because they stink from top to bottom. James Franklin's the only guy who's ever done anything there. Anyway, so those are my five he stinks. Cody Pickett, uh, Finley and Mon, Michigan, Syracuse, and Bill, Vanderbilt. Just you, you could just smell them from a mile away. It was terrible. Um <clears throat> 
Before I get out of here, just kind of some final thoughts, conference by conference. Uh, having a lot of a lot of debate the past couple of weeks with 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 people and and people on the show, and as far as the conference, and you know, I said at the beginning, and I really do believe this. I think what COVID has done, not in the sense of being able to play, right? Because we're still able to play games and do you know uh, you know ha- run the schedule protocols, all this kind of stuff, right? And, and I totally get it. But I think what it's done is that I think it's really hurt the development of guys that needed reps in spring and in the summer. And I think you're seeing that with a lot of traditional powers, and I think that's why a lot of these conferences haven't been very competitive because teams were really relying on a lot of key guys to move in to a lot of key spots and really perform, and they just haven't been able to do you know do that. You know, Take a, a couple of examples, um, and, and this will start off with the first conference. Um, but, you know, look at LSU. Their quarterback play has been atrocious. They're breaking in a new defensive coordinator. They're filling in most of their spots. They didn't have spring practice. Their summer their summer camp was really sped up in order to meet the deadline uh, when their season was going to start. But, you know, you can take examples all over college football about the Penn State, another great example. A lot of players had to move into spots in order to, uh, you know, that are impactful spots in order to go. And I think that's what we're seeing across the conferences. I think that's why we have kind of the top four, top five, and then there's everyone else. It's really kind of a hodgepodge. So, you know, SEC, I think for the most part, they've been just as advertised. The defenses are dipping a bit, but I feel like for the most part, the conference is pretty consistent from what we thought. Again, like I said, I think LSU has been a massive disappointment, and I think a lot of that has to do because they weren't able to get a lot of these guys developed and give them the reps they needed uh, in order uh, in order to uh, to kind of get. I think Georgia, for the most part, is pretty has been disappointing in the sense that we thought that they would be a little bit. You know, they would have won a one one of those two games uh, that they lost, which was Alabama and Florida. But I think for the most part, the SEC has been uh, has just been as advertised. I haven't seen really a lot of dipping there as far as uh, programs and expectations. Uh, Big 12, in my opinion, probably the biggest disappointment. The big programs are struggling. I think Texas looks maybe as lost as they've ever looked. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, they started the season one and two. Looks like they've won uh, five in a row, you know, but they did have their game canceled this past weekend. But they're just – there's no dominant football program in the Big 12, and I think that's pretty evident when you see Iowa State leading the conference. Um, I think TCU has been very disappointing this season. Uh, I think West Virginia, I think, has had times where they've looked okay, but for the most part, it's been very average. Uh, Kansas State, Baylor, I, I mean, Baylor had a big problem. We knew that Baylor was going to have to develop a lot of that talent, and unfortunately, be just because of the limited reps, um, you know, that, breaking in a new head head football coach. They just haven't been able to do it. So I think the Big 12 has been pretty disappointing. Uh, the ACC, I think, is pretty par for the course, um, pretty much matching a lot of the expectations that we all had. You know, it's Clemson and then, every you know, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then it's everyone else. Um, Tech has been a pretty big disappointment. Um, Miami, I, Miami is better than I thought that they'd be. Uh, I thought that they'd lose, you know, two to three more games already to the season. Uh, but, you know, they proved me wrong, and I think that they've been pretty good on defense. Um, Notre Dame certainly helps the conference being added for this season. Uh, but I think besides those two teams, it's really just kind of 
um, everyone beating up on each other. But for the most part, I think it's pretty par for the course. I think that they have really kind of – they are what they thought I was. Or they they are what I thought that they were going to be. Um, you're going to have those top three teams and then everyone else. Um, the Pac-12, very average. No dominant team. No college football hopes because there is no dominant team. And this shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, the only team in my mind that I thought had enough talent in order to make a run at the college football playoff, even with an alleviated season, would have been Oregon. And Oregon was replacing a lot and and what they needed to get going, breaking in a new quarterback, uh, obviously with the the opt-outs. It just – I knew that they were going to struggle and that there was going to be no dominant team again for another year. And again, this is, you know, five, six years going. It doesn't mean it's a bad conference at all, though. And I think that's, I, I think that that should be, uh, as really kind of a separate argument. Just because you don't have a dominant team doesn't mean that the, the conference isn't good or that the football's not good. Uh, Pac 12 since 2016 has sent more players per capita, uh, only behind the SEC. So there's good football players, there's good teams there, but there's no dominant teams, right? I mean, the Pac 12 is Pac 12. They're just going to beat up on each other. Uh, but again, COVID-stricken season, no spring practice, a very shortened fall season in order to even get ready, um, a lot of opt-outs. Um, but I think, again, I, I mean, that's that's what you see with limited practice time. Um, I, and then the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten, from a large program standpoint, may, is pretty on par with the Big 12 as far as disappointment. Um, Michigan and Penn State, I don't. I don't really know what I can say other than just look at their records. I mean, it's it's been pretty bad. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, I think, is a good football team. They just haven't been able to get on the field due to COVID. Uh, you know, Ohio State, one game is canceled. They get another one, they're not going to be eligible. So I think the Big Ten, when it's all said and done, may end up looking worse than we thought it was going to be just because, look, there may not be an Ohio State in the college football playoff. They're not going to be a Northwestern, right? Northwestern had their chance. You know, they end up, you know, getting upset by Michigan State. So, um, you know, those are kind of some final thoughts on the conference. Last thing, I know I've been beating a horse on this, and I'll continue to say it. I've been saying it on the show. But Alabama, I think, is going to get the raw end of the stick. And and, and what I mean by that is that it would be like, well, it's a COVID-stricken season and 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 you know, teams didn't have enough time to prepare and all of that. I, I think it's a load of crap. I think Alabama on offense is going to go down just as ex, as explosive as that LSU offense was last year. I think that Mac Jones is for real. I think he's my current Heisman vote. I think that that Alabama offense is close to unstoppable. I think that the players that they have both up front at the receiver spot, at the running back spot, at the quarterback spot are just as good as what we saw last year at LSU, and just look at the numbers. The numbers say the exact same thing, and they have blown out everyone. And I think with the COVID-stricken season, you're going to get this, oh, but it was during COVID, it was a weird time. And that's unfortunate because I think that we're watching a team that is pretty close to what that LSU team was last year. And that LSU team, in my opinion, is going to be the greatest team, college football team, to go down. But unfortunately – I, I, or I'm sorry, but fortunately, we're, we're getting a really good look at a very similar team, and that'll be Alabama. I, I am fully expecting Alabama to win out. I expect them to take care of business in the SEC championship game, blow out Florida, 
And then at that point, then it's the college football playoff, right? So you may be getting a number four seed Cincinnati. You may be getting Florida again. You may be getting Texas A&M again, which two teams I think, obviously they've blown out Texas A&M already, but I think that they're going to blow out Florida too. I, I just really think that they're so good. They remind me a lot of the LSU team last year, and that defense is coming around to where it's going to be very tough for teams to score a lot of points on that Alabama defense. All right, everybody's kind of heard enough of me. I don't know how long we've gone, but wanted to make sure we got a reaction show out today. As always, you can follow Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Great way and a great routine uh, to add to your Saturday as you're watching your games. Uh, as always, please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Easy, that is the easiest way to make sure that you get all of our most updated episodes downloaded right to your phone. Again, we are on wherever pot prospects, I'm sorry, wherever podcasts are hosted, Stitcher, Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, where, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, we're certainly on there. Now, for Prospects 101 as a show, thanks for listening in, and we will be back to preview week 14 on Thursday morning. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.